book of Romans, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 1. Amen. The Holy Spirit led us to Romans 4 um, a few weeks back, and there's a lot in this chapter on the subject of faith. Really, really important truth, revelation for us here. And um, I want to make sure we get the right understanding and, and, and foundation and give the Holy Spirit the necessary time to speak to our hearts from these verses. Let me, um, praise God, let me, let me do this. Um, I actually scooted down a little further in my notes, but let's go ahead and put these on the board for now. Um, Romans chapter 4, uh, verse number 1, What shall we say then? What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works the debt, now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Let's look at these same verses from the Passion Translation. I know you probably don't have that in front of you, so I'll put it on the screen. He says, let me use Abraham as an example. It is clear that, humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. What was his experience of being made right with God? Was it by his good works of keeping the law? No. For, it was, for if it was by the things he did, he would have something to boast about but no one boasts before God. Listen to what the scriptures say, because Abraham believed God's word, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people work, they earn wages. It cannot be considered a free gift because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. I'm going to say it again one more time. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. Now, we've, we've covered this already, and I know that for a lot of you this is, is review. But if we look at it from a physical, natural, financial um, perspective, we see that money is moved from one account into another account by different ways and you know, different means, okay? Um, if, if you're behind someone in the grocery store and they pull out a checkbook and start writing a check, okay, 
what, what that check's going to do is it, it's going to take money from their account and it's going to transfer it into the account of the grocery store, Walmart or Hills Food Center or what have you. The check is the instrument of transfer. Let me say it another way. The check is how what's in one account is transferred into another account. It, it's the mechanism. It's the means. Are you seeing this? All right. So what he's saying here is that faith is the instrument. It's it's the mechanism. It's, it's that which God has established to be what transfers what's in His account for you into your account. When you were born again, you called upon the name of the Lord by faith, and faith in Jesus and what He's done for you became, I'm going to use another word now, the vehicle, if you will, that, that took the righteousness. It, it, it's not just that, 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 that God raised, our Father raised a magic wand. He didn't just say, okay, Matt, now you're righteous. No, when, when Matthew was made righteous by believing on Jesus, he accessed something that was already in an account in heaven. Jesus had already paid for that righteousness. Jesus fought hard for it, worked hard for it, sacrificed tremendously to pay for it. So that now, righteousness for Matthew, righteousness for Sister Terry, Brother Ronnie, every person in this room, it's in an account. Someone's born again, Jesus doesn't have to run back and be crucified to pay for it. He's already paid for it. So we could say it this way, the money's in the account. The debt's been paid. Everything that's needed to make a man or a woman right before God in the eyes of God, not just, not just something that, you know, some sleight of hand. It's not cooking the books. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a genuine payment that's made which makes a man or a woman right before God in the eyes of God. And so again, how is, how is that payment made? What, what enables it? You, you can't go to the grocery store and like hand them a couple of pages of notebook paper. I mean, I guess back in the old day, you know, they did the IOUs and they, they, they kept a, a lot. But at some point, you, you know, you're going to have to get some cash or something and come down there and, and pay that bill. You, 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 you can't just go in there and, you know, because you, 
you're handsome or pretty and they give you the groceries. There's, there's, a, there's a, a way that the, the payment is made. There's a, a means by which the transfer is made. I said last week, and it's, it's such a simple statement, but I'm going to just plan it again tonight, all right? Our Father's ways, God's ways are the ways of faith. God's ways are the ways of faith. Is there any other way for righteousness to move from God's account into a human being's account other than faith? The answer is no. Now, this is not a trick question. And it's been probably a couple of years at least since I've asked this question. And usually when I do, it stirs some people up. I'm not deliberately trying to stir you up tonight, okay? The question is, 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 is meant to really make this point. And so here, don't shout it out, okay? I mean, even if you know the answer, don't shout it out. But there's a chance that you don't know the answer, and I don't want anybody to feel like awkward or whatever, okay? So the question that I want you to answer in your heart is this one. Are you ready? How much of your right standing with God is dependent upon you? How much of righteousness, right standing, that's what it means, righteousness. How much of it is dependent upon you? If, if you were going to like... Maybe let's just take, you know, the concept of 100% righteous, 100% righteousness. Is it a 50-50 proposition? In other words, 50% of it is, is dependent upon, you know, God and, and the other half is dependent upon you. Is it 60-40? Is it 70-30? What? What percentage, what part of you being right before God in the eyes of God is based upon your efforts, your works, your, you know, attempt to do what's right? Now, don't let this answer shock you, but this is what the Bible teaches us, and there's a reason I'm going to explain it in a moment why I'm asking this question tonight. The answer is zero. The answer is your right standing with God is 100% dependent upon Him and what He has done for you. The Bible makes it very clear that we cannot make ourselves right before God in the eyes of God and that any effort on our part to try to earn or, or accomplish that by our own works and efforts is nothing more than filthy rags and it is not and never will be accepted by God. Amen. Now, why are we bringing this up tonight? 
this is this is what the Holy Spirit is is showing me and and I thank him tonight in advance for helping me show it to you all right there are there are certain things I know that's kind of a general term there, there are certain situations that become a proving ground or a litmus test for a lot of other things in our lives. Here to me is the greatest example of, of, of what I'm trying to say to you right now. So just hang with me here for a few minutes, please. If I really want to know what my priorities are. I don't need to look at what I say. I need to look at what I do. But even then, I can give myself a lot of credit <laughs> for my priorities being one thing that my actions really don't confirm so if we want to take it one step further if I really want to know what my priorities are I need to look no further than my checkbook it's getting kind of quiet up in here amen in other words we say put your money where your mouth is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not just out on a limb saying some random thing. The Bible is very clear about this. Why is that the case? When we receive money, a paycheck, we're actually selling, hopefully to the highest bidder, so to speak, our time and our talents. In other words, if someone pays you $25 an hour, eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, you're literally taking some of the most precious time that you've been given and you're exchanging it your services your time your talents your abilities for money now i'm not i'm not saying this is a, is is bad or wrong i'm just there's a there's a lesson here i think that the holy spirit's going to help drive home so again just please stay with me i i, I struggle with this cuz i'm like lord i don't th th this is kind of you know, an odd way of trying to approach this subject, but I really feel like this is the Holy Spirit's breathing on this, so stay with me, okay? So when you then take that money, it used to be like the pastor didn't get paid in money. It's like somebody from the church brought him a chicken, somebody else brought him some milk, somebody else churned some butter. That, that's, that was kind of how the, the old time economies worked. It was a, it was a, 
a, a trade and barter kind of situation. Well, we, we, we're kind of far removed from that now. We've got grocery stores, and, and, and if you really kind of understand how an economy works, so we don't like, we need some eggs, so we go ask the guy who has eggs, you need me to cut your grass, and you give me some eggs, right? No, we go and cut, whoever will let us cut grass for them, take that money, then go to the store and buy the eggs. Are you, are you, are you seeing what I'm saying? All right. So we're, we're taking our uh, time and our uh, talents and abilities and we're exchanging them for money and then we take that money and we go exchange it for you know food clothing entertainment whatever the case may be so what that does is that money then becomes the thing that we're literally trading our lives that money becomes a tangible measurable representation of what you just gave 40 hours of your precious life for, it becomes an instrument again that we now go. So it's not just that we spent 40 bucks on the blue jeans. We gave two hours of our life for those blue jeans. So when we say, if we really want to look at um, our priorities, we, we need to look very carefully at, at our money because we're trading our lives for it and then we're using it, we can measure it right now, we're using it to trade, we're using it to, to purchase, we're using it um, to, to, to do stuff with, okay? All right, now, Holy Spirit, help us make this jump. If we really want to understand something about where we are with our faith, we need to look at where we are with our faith in relationship to our justification. Where we are with our faith in relationship to our righteousness. That's why I'm going back to that question, right? Um, what percentage do you think your right standing with God depends upon you and what percentage of it depends upon Him. Amen? In other words, if you think, well, it's maybe 60-40, 60% God, 40% me, 50% God, 50% me. If you believe your right standing with God, right, is this much dependent upon Him and this much dependent upon you, let me tell you what else that's going to tell me about your faith. You're going to believe your healing is 60% dependent on God and 40% dependent upon you. You're going to believe your prosperity. And it's whatever percentage you believe your righteousness is based upon, you're going to have that same approach with your faith. That's why I'm saying it's a, it's a litmus test. It's a barometer. It, it'll really, it'll really, see, it's easy for us to say, oh man, I believe in God. I believe in God for this. I believe in God for this church to be full. I believe in God for, for my debt to be canceled. I believe in God, right? All these other things. All right, so again, amen. Put your faith to work. We've been talking about that for weeks now. I'm not by any means discouraging you from doing that. But, but where the enemy sneaks in on us and, 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 and deceives us, it's, it's when we think we're in faith, but we're really not trusting God, at least not 100%. <laughs> right? 
right? We're thinking, well, you know, it really is dependent upon me. It really is, you know, at least partially based upon this or that or this thing or another. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Are you, are you following what I'm saying now? I'm, I'm just this, amen. I'm, I like to try to put everything in neat little packages, but this is just the Holy Spirit and, and this is kind of excerpts from a conversation we had this morning. How about that? These are things that I really feel like early this morning he was speaking to me. I, I often do this. I'll, I, I'll just start dictating into my phone. Um, it'll take what I say and convert it to typed words and sentences. And this is, the, this is one of the first things that I really feel like he spoke to my heart, okay? Clearly, Jesus was saying to us that our faith should work for us the way his faith works for him. We see this over and over again in Jesus' ministry. Think about that now for a moment. Clearly. I mean, do, do we really need to go back to <laughs> verses that we've looked at so many times? Some of them quote them from memory, right? If you have faith, you will say to this mountain. If you believe and do not doubt in your heart, you will do not only what was done to this fig tree, but you will say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea. And it, it was, it, in every case... Jesus was not showing off. He was not trying to impress. He was demonstrating. He was demonstrating faith. He was demonstrating what faith can do. He was demonstrating how faith can solve problems. He was demonstrating how faith can move mountains. And he was demonstrating it in, in, in so many, I mean, a whole spectrum of problems and issues and situations and scenarios. I mean, everything from casting out devils to paying taxes to healing the sick to feeding people to, I mean, in all of these different cases and situations. And we, we even see, and I know we've been over so many of these different stories, and, 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 and his, I don't even like call them stories because, you know, we think a story is like something made up. No, an account, a historical account. And we see that Jesus always teaching, the master teacher. We see in, in all of these different situations, it was the faith that he was emphasizing. It was like he was taking the highlighter of his words and he was squeaking across them with that, that yellow magic marker, emphasizing, highlighting in each one of these situations, only believe. It was your faith that made you whole. You didn't cast him out because of your unbelief. In other words, Jesus was not like, you know, you have to look close to find the faith. You have to look close to see how faith was involved. No, it was up front, out loud. Jesus was emphasizing it, showing it, teaching, training. When there was a success, it was because of faith. When there was a failure, it was, he was so quick to point it out. You failed because of your unbelief. It didn't work because of your unbelief. You couldn't cast it out because of your unbelief. Peter, you sank when you were walking on water because of your unbelief. Over and over and over again. Jairus comes and gets him. And they're going to 
heal his daughter who is so sick she's at the point of death. A woman who had been sick for many years comes by faith, grabs the hem of his garment. Her faith transferred healing from Jesus into her body. Jesus said, who touched me? I felt virtually he was being thronged, right? Lots of people were touching him, but one lady touched him. She touched him by faith. It wasn't like Jesus was some live wire of healing and anybody that bumped into him got healed. We even see on occasion where he was in a house and the religious leaders who hated him, the Bible says that not only was he there, but the power of God to heal was there. But nobody was getting healed until somebody ripped the roof off of that house and let a crippled man down in the Bible. Again, Jesus, when he saw their tenacity, when he saw their determination, when he saw their humility, no, when he saw their faith, Read it again. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it again. He's, he's constantly emphasizing, highlighting, right? So this woman comes. Why was her touch different from everybody else's? She touched him by faith. Her faith made a connection that transferred healing from inside of him, inside of her. Jesus didn't say, be thankful I healed you, ma'am. What did he say? Your faith has made you whole. What is he, what is, again, it's it's like he's screaming it. Faith, 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 faith. If you're familiar with the story, right? We see it in three of the four Gospels. Now, this daughter, Jairus' daughter, who was at the point of death, Jesus is going to her house to his house to heal her, they come from the house and say, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, man, I'm sorry. I, I should have probably just dealt with that lady. You know, your need was more urgent than hers. And I, Oh, man, I'm so sorry, Jairus. I, I, I hate it, buddy. No, he looks at him. I... There's all kinds of things that I want to, you know, somehow replay the video of one day in heaven. We were talking about a situation. I won't go into all of it, but at Jake and Bethany's the other night, some things that we, we hope to replay one day in heaven, right? I would love to see the look on Jesus' face when he turns to Jairus and he looks him in the eye and he says what? Only... Believe. I believe there was an urgency, Brian. I, I believe there was a, a like, like, don't unsay your faith, Jairus. Don't just, just hang in there, buddy. O- only believe. I know this thing just went from bad to worse. Only believe. If Jairus believing or not believing had no effect on what was about to happen next, Jesus would have just went on to his house. Right? He says, I'm I'm not by any, 
I'm not implying Jesus did this. I'm not saying this is what the video will show, the video evidence one day will show, right? But if it, if it didn't physically happen, it was a spiritual grabbing by the lapel of his, of his robe, get right up in his face, right? <laughs> Look at me, listen to me. Only believe. Only believe. Panic. Right? I've been with a few folks in this many years of ministry who were given the news that somebody they love is no longer alive, right? And there is an emotional eruption. There is, there is a visceral reaction. I've seen people collapse. I've seen, are you following what I'm saying? This is, this is serious stuff here. And Jesus, Jesus gets his focus and he says, again, only believe. Now, I know, again, the focus here is don't do anything but believe. But notice, he didn't say there's three things you need to do here, J.R. And the first one is believe. <laughs> the second one is, no, just because that is, that, that was what, that's, because why? Faith does what? Faith transfers it from heaven's account. And now faith is, a, is, is about to do what? It's about to transfer a resurrection. It's about to bring a little girl back to life. Does Father have resurrection in the account in heaven? Yes, he does. How do we access it? Faith? I'm going to say it again. I'm going to read this again, all right? Clearly, Jesus was saying to us that our faith should work for us the way his faith works for him. We see this over and over again in Jesus' ministry. This is one of those things in Scripture that I can't keep pretending isn't there. Clearly, we are leaving a lot on the table. We have looked at it multiple times surrounding the cursing of the fig tree. We also see it very clearly, the storms that Jesus dealt with by faith and perhaps the most clearly we see this in scripture surrounding the multiplying of food. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I think it's high time we all begin asking the question, what are we missing when it comes to faith? It was never meant to be hard. Jesus didn't come to make it hard. He came to make it easy so that anyone, including a child, could do it. Are you courageous enough to ask yourself this question? What am I missing and why is my faith not producing results like Jesus' faith produced? Notice I said, are you courageous? And I say, I said, this is, I believe this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Amen. Are you courageous enough to ask yourself this question? What am I missing? And why is my faith not producing results like Jesus' faith produced? When he clearly, when he clearly said and demonstrated that our faith should work for us the way his worked for him. I, for one, am tired of the old excuses like it's not God's will or it's not his timing. These are way overdone and way overused. There are also those who believe, now listen to me, we're going to put a bow on it right here. There are also those who believe you must be so super spiritual to be able to have that kind of faith there is a subtle lie in the middle of that ball of cheese. 
Notice the works-based mindset revealed in that thinking. The probability-based mindset revealed in that thinking. Remember, the greatest faith Jesus encountered while on the earth came from two people who would not win any Sunday School Attendance Awards, nor be mistaken for someone godly, pious, or super spiritual. That can either frustrate you or encourage you. And I pray that it not only encourages you, but inspires you. I'm going back to this idea that if we believe our right standing with God is based upon us or some combination of him and us, that's going to carry, it, that's going to carry over into the, into the other things, right? It's back to that God owing me something. It's back to that subtle mindset that because I am so spiritual now, I, I am so committed. I am, I, if you think that I am somehow dismissing the importance of being committed, being faithful, please hear me. Those things are so incredibly important. But where the enemy can use those things against us is when we think that our right standing with God is based upon those things. Our receiving from God is based upon those things. Notice the subtleness there. That somehow because, you know, we've been so faithful to church now that somehow God owes us. He said it's of faith so that it might be according to grace. If it's anything other than faith, it takes grace. There's, in other words, there's no, there's no way to access the money. There's no way to access, there's no way to transfer. You're standing in the grocery store line. Anybody ever done this? Boop, 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 ringing it all up, right? You know, rings up and you reach for your wallet. Oh no, right? Now today they have ways of, you know, letting you run home and get it or what have you. But they're not gonna send you out of the store with $300 worth of groceries until you transfer money from your account into theirs. But you can't do that because you don't have the instrument to make the transfer, okay, right? Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, you know, is God just being stubborn, <laughs> please? No, he is not being stubborn. It's not that, you know, how about this one? Um, I was at a store yesterday and um, cash or checks only. I don't know about you, I use debit cards just about everywhere I go, right? Pam's like, oh, you got any cash? I went, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't keep a lot of cash on me, but yeah, I, I've got some cash. So in other words, the idea is that in there, a debit card's not going to help you. I could, I could just see me like walking in there. It's like, can I pay with my watch? 
There are stores that I can, right? Not that one. That means of transfer will do you no good there. We get so excited as we should be about grace. Get so excited about the free gift of God, the free flowing favor of God, the, the desire uh, that our Heavenly Father has to bless us and prosper us and heal us and, 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 and advance us and, and, and lift us up in life. And we should get very, very excited about that. But what you don't understand is that is that grace comes with a price, faith. When I say a, a price, in other words, because it's grace, it takes all that other stuff that we did in the Old Testament to try to get God to help us, right? It takes all that off the table. And it limits you to one means of transfer. We looked at those verses, I know some of you may have been here for this. It, the translations of these, the Amplified, all this other stuff, right? It's, it's by grace and grace alone. It's dependent entirely upon grace. It's grace and nothing else, right? I mean, it's faith and nothing else. It depends entirely upon faith. Faith is that means of transfer. But see, folks are like the little boy that they, they brought, the dad brought him to the disciples, right? For help and for healing. Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration being being completely transformed in front of Peter, James, and John. Well, this man brings his sons in need. And the disciples go to cast the devil out of that little boy, and the devil doesn't come out of that little boy. Well, now the religious leaders are getting involved. And there's this whole debate, and strife is starting to get in the picture. Well, Jesus comes back down off that mountain, and he hears what's going on. He's like, what, hey, what's going on here? And the dad says, look, you know, I brought my little boy to your disciples for help and they couldn't help him. And, and, um, and then all of a sudden the boy, the, the demon seizes the little boy and he has this whole, you know, again, the devil trying to impress Jesus. Jesus wasn't impressed, right? And um, Jesus is just like, well, how long has he been doing that, right? You know, it wasn't like, <gasps> you know, none of these other things, right? And, the, and this is what the man says. The man says, if you can do anything, Jesus, help me. Now, Jesus wasn't being arrogant. He wasn't being condescending. He wasn't, in other words, he was trying to help the man, right? Right? So if Jesus, if Jesus is ultimately going to heal this boy, everything Jesus says in, the, in trying to bring that man to a place so he can heal that boy is important for us to understand. And, and so Jesus looks at the man and he says, if I can do anything, what do he say? No, sir, if you can believe, right? See, the help that boy needed was already in an account. <laughs> it's just this man left his instrument of transfer at home. He, he, couldn't, he didn't have what it took to get the money out of one account into his account. I'm saying money, I'm talking about the miracle that he needed. Jesus said, but notice the attitude. Jesus, if you can do anything, if you're going to ever help anybody, you ought to help my son. My boy's in the biggest need. My boy needs you more than anybody. My, Jesus says, no, it's, it's, it's not about if I can. It's about if you can believe. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God.
Thank you, Jesus. Are you, get, are you getting anything out of this tonight? I'm not, listen to me, please. I am not trying to, to offend anyone in this room. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to um, make you feel less than or any of that other stuff. I just, there, there are some things that, it's basically a part of every miracle story you read that's how important it was and how much Jesus emphasized it. So I don't, I don't think we're spending too much time here. You'll be like, Jesus, when are you going to start talking about that faith? I'm sure Jesus looked at him and said, never. Like never, right? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your love. Thank you, Father, that you've given every person in this room the measure of faith. It represents the greatest untapped potential that all of us possess tonight. And I thank you, Father, that you're helping us understand. Lord, you're helping us ask some hard questions. Lord, you, you're helping us look at some things that we need to look at, consider some things that we need to consider. And I thank you, Father, that, that um, you love us and, and, and you want to see us uh, operating in, in the grace upon grace, grace for grace, Lord, that you have set aside and put in place for each one of us to experience and enjoy in our lives. Father, thank you for the examples. Thank you for all the lessons. Thank you, Father, for, for what we have spelled out for us in the life of Jesus. And Lord, may we learn from him. May we take his yoke upon ourselves. And may we walk alongside him. And may we learn your ways of faith from him, Father. I thank you, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, we're going to let our light so shine before men that they see our good works. And they glorify you, Father, in heaven. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness on a Wednesday evening.